This can be played at high volume. Live and local. This is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. Do it. And welcome back. Hour two of two officially underway right here on the game. 1037 Live yet. And 1041 out in Lake Charles. Absolutely appreciate you listening in as always right here on the Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, also your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Ooh, again, absolutely disappointing ball game. About as disappointing as the picks I had last week, and we're going to go ahead and move on from last weekend and move ahead to this Saturday slate and also Sunday slate for the NFL with the Fave Five, and I'm absolutely loving this weekend's Picks to click. The world famous CD always has his eyes on the lines out in Las Vegas. Hit me 20. Hit me 21. Hit me 22. Don't. Here's his five favorite bets for the weekend. Will he make you rich beyond your wildest dreams? Or will you be cursing him out after he goes 0 for 5? Let's find out on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Seriously, last weekend's was so disappointing. I can remember I was in the press box at Cajun Field last Saturday, and I was blown away at LSU Ole Miss. I had over under, I had the over on 65 and a half points for LSU to beat Ole Miss. Well, not not to beat Ole Miss, but it was just 65 and a half over. You know what the final score was for that ball game last weekend? LSU football Beat Ole Miss, which, number one, was impressive as all get out. Number two, 45-20, 65. The guys in Vegas know what they're doing. So don't act like you don't – that this group of people don't know what the hell they're doing when they put these kind of lines out. Absolutely took that like a sucker. That said, the Cajuns did win. They wound up covering that spread. Then they also – and, of course, I had to screw up and picked the Yankees to beat the Astros in game three. Thanks a lot, Garrett Cole. Allowing home runs again. Mind you, not I, not a fan of Garrett Cole since he joined the Yankees, and he has absolutely been horrible, to say the very least. But moving on, this week's Fave 5, I have some confidence in, more because it's a little bit of a lackluster slate of games. And I'll know what happens with these contests on Saturday, before like 2.30 because I'm definitely going to try and enjoy some rest and relaxation and try to avoid some anxiety for game two. So we'll start off with Penn State, Ohio State. Nittany Lions taking on the Buckeyes and Penn State's currently plus 15. I got to go with we are on that. I feel like it's going to be a close ball game. I feel like a two possession game, 14 points. Feels like an easy line to hit there at minus 110. 
We'll also go Arkansas straight up against Auburn, minus 175. Sooner or later, Arkansas has got to get a good win in SEC play. And this is a good opportunity to do that and, more importantly, build some momentum because they have been a team that's kind of fell on hard times after the way they started the season, beating a South Carolina team who's turned out to be pretty good. They beat Cincinnati a while back, but they've lost four straight. No, excuse me, three straight to some really good teams, mind you, in A&M, Alabama, and Mississippi State. Auburn, they've got to bounce back and beat them. They beat BYU last weekend over in BYU. The Razorbacks did, so they got to get it done against a lowly Auburn team that I mentioned last week, a rudderless ship, but have been a very competitive team in the conference of Dixie, unless they're playing Georgia. I mean, the Ole Miss game they had two weeks ago, they were competitive in that ball game. So don't be surprised if Auburn pulls off the mild upset. That's why Arkansas is only minus 175, but I'll throw some ducats on that because it'll be worth it down the road. So with that in mind, we're also going to go with a Big 12 matchup. Texas is off this week, so can't pick them. Mind you, they definitely broke my heart in a lot of ways with that one because it was a disappointing into that ball game. That was one of the fave fives last week, losing to Oklahoma State 41-34. Absolutely just gut punch. But I'll go with Oklahoma beating Iowa State at minus 120. Feels like it should be a little bit higher. We're going to go with the Sooners getting it done against the Clones. Then we get to the NFL. And these two feel pretty easy. If I was just having a two-leg parlay in the NFL on Sunday, this would be something I'd throw down on. At minus 460, the Philadelphia Eagles over the Pittsburgh Steelers straight up. That is easy money. The spread on the actual line is 10.5. But I'm, I'm a little less confident in that line more so than this next line I'll break down for you because I feel like the Steelers could cover that 10.5. It's an in-state rivalry. I feel like there's a chance where this could indeed hit. That said, I am going to take the money line on the Giants over the Seattle Seahawks at minus, at plus 135. They're slight underdogs in this contest, but this Giants team is not to be trifled with. They are not a bad team in any metric. They are one of the surprises of the NFC this year at 6-1. and one. Mind you, I haven't played a whole lot of like good to great teams, and Seattle's been a real surprise team as well because I didn't think a team that was going to have Geno Smith leading the way would be as good as they are. But here we are in 2022, and Giants-Seahawks is a game I'm intrigued by, and I'll definitely throw some money on the New York football Giants at plus 135. That's all I got for the games on this weekend slate. For what it's worth, it, Cage has obviously played this past Thursday, and that was a disappointing ball game. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But here's some early lines that I'm seeing right now. Again, the official lines don't drop until tomorrow when we have a better idea of what these teams look like. LSU's plus 12 and a half. So if you want to take that at minus 110 odds, go ahead. I think plus 12 and a half is very feasible. Again, 
This is an Alabama team that has had a lot of close calls. A&M, Texas, Tennessee. Tennessee had every chance to lose that ball game, and they didn't. They came up clutch, which further proves I think Tennessee deserves a lot more hype, and somehow they're plus 11 against Georgia. Again, I'd probably take plus 11 on them too next weekend. It's going to be a, a massive slate involving teams in the SEC and more importantly, the South. One other game I didn't include in the Faye 5 parlay because I feel like it's just way too close to call is the butt game, Baylor, Texas Tech. It's that time of year, and that is going to be a fun one. Minus 125, Texas Tech is the favorite at two points. A little too close to call there. I'm not going to touch those kind of ball games. But we'll get to the Saints real quick because they have a game against Sin City, the Las Vegas Raiders, a rematch of what happened a couple of years ago on Monday Night Football after the hurricane. And that's a game I never want to talk about because that was a bad, bad ball game from Jump Street. Saints are currently now one-point underdogs in this ball game at minus 110 and also plus 105 if you're just going straight at money line. Over-under is 49.5, and I would gladly take the under on that, to be honest with you. Again, 49.5, that is typically going to be a 28-21 affair. I feel like it's going to be a lot more competitive than a lot of people are thinking. Again, I can be completely wrong on this, but I think 28-21 could be a feasible final score where the under does hit on there. That said, as somebody who is a Josh Jacobs fantasy team owner, I hope he goes off. I hope he pops off huge. I would absolutely love that because I also have, you know, Jamar Chase on my team, and he is currently out for at least six weeks, possibly on IR, but nobody really knows outright. That alone has me nervous as all get out because the, the Saints are a great defensive team against the rush, but Josh Jacobs has been on a tear the last two weeks, and he was a huge part of me winning my matchup last week to improve to four and three on the year. And I'm liking what I'm seeing from the under the dome with CD league. A lot of teams are getting it done. I'm liking what I'm seeing all the way around from my team, Juju's bizarre adventure. That team has been getting better. Mind you, I've had to definitely surf the never ending sea of free agency and making a lot of roster moves during the seat during like the weeks where I, I'm having to move people around like crazy because again my team is cursed. Jamar Chase gets injured. I have a lot of changes to make. Thankfully, Jamar Chase did enough in the first half against the Falcons to where I was able to still win my game comfortably last week. But going back to the the Raiders versus the Saints, we'll talk about it a little bit more from the actual game perspective with our guy Ross. Jackson, Jackson host of the Locked On Saints podcast. Over, under, passing touchdowns, one and a half. Feels expected to see those kind of over-unders pop up for both Andy Dalton and Derek Carr. Feels again, fairly standard. But the passing yards has me interested. Dalton at over, under, 247 and a half. Well, you got Derek Carr over, under, 256 and a half. 
I'd probably go under Andy Dalton, 247.5, and Derek Carr over 256.5 if it were me. I'd love to see the over-under on interceptions as a prop bet. Just see where things kind of go. And there's some other interesting kind of parlays and props you can kind of throw down on. They've got over-under pass completions for Dalton at 21 and a half. I'll, and it's completions, I'd probably go under that and over-under 32 and a half pass attempts. I'll go over. The Andy Dalton interception line is over-under a half. And again, that's pretty much traditional because they usually try and make those lines fairly easy to pick. And over-under is a half for both these guys, and the over is always going to be your kind of line to go with at minus 135 for Andy Dalton, minus 110 for Derek Carr. So if you want to put money on Derek Carr throwing in an interception, go ahead and do that because you're going to wind up getting more money out of it than you would on an over-under Andy Dalton and taking the over. If you take the under where he doesn't throw an interception, that's plus 100, and you'll double your money just like that. But I would lean more towards Derek Carr in terms of a value. You won't get a whole lot. It won't double your money, but I think you'll have a better chance of getting that than anything else on there. Then we get to some of the other uh, props here. The rushing yards, over under 85.5 for Josh Jacobs, over under 60.5 for AK41, who has definitely been highly rumored to be traded, if you haven't heard that news. But 60.5, I'd probably go ahead and take the over on Alvin Kamara getting 60 and a half rushing yards. Now, receiving yards is a different conversation. If there was one I'd pick, I'd go Devontae Adams over 83 and a half. No, you know what? I'll go under 83 and a half. I feel like you wind up getting 80 yards there. Now, what's interesting is seeing the receiving touchdown lines or any touchdown. Anytime touchdowns are always the ones that if you want to make a decent parlay out of it, this is the opportunity to do so. I'd probably lean towards Josh Jacobs anytime touchdown along with a Chris Olave. If you're able to do that as part of an SGP, that'd be the way to be. A little two-leg action could net you a, a few bucks here and there. Going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll kind of continue the conversation about what's going on with those Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Mentioned it earlier, losing to Southern Miss on Thursday night. Absolutely disappointing. And I've got some thoughts about that and more right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We supply the sports. The Buffalo Wings are up to you. Tell me what wingy. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. At Antenna TV, we've got big hair. <laughs> and even bigger personalities. I know that. We've got cool guys. Thank you, you have great taste. Classy ladies. <laughs> and strange characters. You can get wholesome family time. Or, uh, not. 
Because no matter what you're looking for, Antenna TV has something for everyone. Ain't that great? Watch Antenna TV Acadiana on KXKW over the air on channel 32.2. Misfits Dine and Drink is a destination restaurant in Broussard, just south of La Triomphe on the Axis Road off of Angelin Thruway. They are serving a full lunch and dinner menu featuring Cajun-influenced Italian dishes. Misfits is always adding inspired new items along with pairing them with new wines. Try Misfits Pasta. It's penne pasta with Louisiana shrimp, crawfish, and a spicy Alfredo sauce. It's already a local favorite. So you haven't eaten there yet? Well, treat yourself this week. Busy week? Then stop in for brunch this Saturday or Sunday. Try it once and it will become one of your favorite restaurants. Misfits and Broussard, just south of La Triomphe. Go to AcadianaDeals.com this Friday and purchase a $40 gift card for only $20. Don't miss this incredible offer to try Misfits Dine and Drink. Once again, go to AcadianaDeals.com this Friday at 10 a.m. and get $40 to Misfits for only $20. This offer won't last long. Hi, it's RP3 with The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. This year, we've teamed up with our friends at Service Chevrolet Cadillac for the Eyes on the Road campaign. While cell phone use still remains the highest in distracted driving, there are other distractions to be aware of, such as GPS screens, eating, drinking, reaching down, or turning around. Anything that takes your eyes and even your mind off the road for a second can lead to an accident. Eyes on the Road, Acadiana, from The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, and Service Chevrolet Cadillac. What's your least favorite season? Now, if you're like me, it's cold and flu season. So get relief from it this year with Mucinex DM. With cough and chest congestion relief for 12 hours in just one dose, that's three times longer than four-hour products. Mucinex DM makes any season comeback season, even cold and flu season. Get three times the relief in just one dose with Mucinex DM. It couldn't be simpler. Nothing lasts longer among over-the-counter cough and cold remedies. Mucinex DM provides 12 hours of relief for chest congestion and cough, day or night. Uses direct. You know you like us. Then it's time for you to show us how much you like being in a relationship with the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Go give us a like on our revamped Facebook page. And follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. I can love you like that. That way you can get the latest interviews, breaking news, and whatever shenanigans we're up to. Just search The Game Louisiana and be hooked up with Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Sports talk shows turn it up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome is far from your ordinary sports talk show. It takes it just one step higher. These guys are that. Now back to the show that gets the lead out. Under the Dome with CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And we had a chance for you to win some awesome stuff, like we always do, and help improve your date night with a chance to win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or even a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So hurry up and go sign up today. Absolutely would love 
to improve my date night, but you know, I've got to make my own way because I work here at Delta Media. I can't win, my family can't win, but you sure as heck can win. And if you want to call us up, we got some time before we get to Ross Jackson at the bottom of the hour at 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. In the meantime, we need to talk about what happened with the Cajuns last night. It was disappointing as all get out. Because every time this team was able to get some momentum going, they had a great start to the ball game. That they got a nice interception in Southern Miss territory. Couldn't get anything done. Had the momentum solely in their favor to start the ball game. Could only get seven yards and turnover on downs instead of taking the points. Like, I get it. Scared money don't make money, but sometimes you have to take the opportunity that's thrown right in front of you. You were at the 30-yard line. I think you could have gotten a field goal out of it and at least gotten three. If not, you know, it is what it is. But I think you set yourself up a lot better by doing it that way than anything else. Because Southern Miss had to punt on that next drive. I think I'd much rather my chances of winning that ball game if they do just go ahead and take the points. But it further makes me think that we look at South Alabama, and you've heard me say this for years, is that they are the model of consistently inconsistent program. They have years where they are very good and other years or other weeks where they were they would beat teams they weren't supposed to beat, and then teams they were supposed to beat, they lost to and lost badly. Don't believe me? Go look back at 2016 South Alabama. They beat a Troy team that beat LSU, and then the Cajuns beat the pants off of them after the South Al-Troy upset. Like That alone makes me think that this team could never get right. And they finally have gotten right, more because, spoilers, they have a good quarterback over in South Alabama. This Cajuns team is very much in that same kind of boat. They are consistently inconsistent. Thankfully, they have some time between now and next Saturday when they take on a team that they absolutely should be able to beat next Saturday night at 4 o'clock against Troy. I say should, but I wouldn't be surprised if Troy beats the pants off the Cajuns the way they played this past Thursday night against Southern Miss, a team that I feel like the Cages had every chance to beat. Of course, historically, the Cages have been very bad against Southern Miss. Don't believe me? Go back and look at 2016, that New Orleans Bowl game. It was almost a carbon copy of what I saw. I didn't see the entire game, but I was able to see the bulk of enough to know what happened. And more importantly, the way that team played in the final like five minutes of the ball game, where was that? for the other 45 minutes of the contest. Where was that? It's the fourth quarter. They played a little bit better. They got crucial opportunities. But again, they had they turned it over on downs. That's going to hurt you every single time. How many times did it drive in and get stymied because of turnover on downs? We can look at it. The first drive, 
there was a the second drive of the second half at the Southern Miss 37. Whenever you had a golden opportunity to just try and get a field, get a long field goal, do something like that rather than, you know, turnover on downs, turnover on downs. There was at least three or four opportunities where turnover on downs hurt you immensely. And also, team was damn lucky. The Cajuns were because you had an interception with about a minute left in the ball game. And then the next play, Southern Miss fumbles the football. And you're able to have another opportunity to get a touchdown. And then, next thing you know, next thing you know, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns get a three and out, are able to build up an opportunity to get a really big win, but can't get it done. Interception, and then a turnover on downs right after. And Southern Miss just goes home. That was single-handedly one of those disappointing ball games I've seen from this team in a while. Because they had every chance to win it. And it was also just completely wacky because they wound up blocking a punt, running it back for two. Just that alone, mind-boggling to me. And it was also weird because I completely forgot about this fact that Frank Gore's son, Frank Gore Jr., is playing for Southern Miss. And when I thought about it, it's like, because I think he committed to Southern Miss while his dad was still playing in the NFL. His dad played for 15 years in the league. Absolute legend of a player. And I can't wait to see what Frank Gore Jr. does because he was absolutely looking great in this one. He should absolutely be somebody's target in the draft in 2023. I like what I saw from him. Excuse me, 2024. Keep forgetting he is just a sophomore. But 89 yards in terms of game, but he wound up having net of 87. Not bad. Not bad at all. No touchdowns, but still really solid for this Southern Miss program in its first year in the Sun Belt Conference and further proving why the West is going to be a lot more entertaining to keep an eye on. We talked about it with Kara Ritchie last week. How entertaining and interesting that one was going to be. Troy, the, Troy, Louisiana next week should have been a ball game that determined who was going to come out of the Sun Belt West with the title and go on to play in the championship game against either Coastal or ODU because James Madison isn't eligible. But right now, Troy, they could pretty much like run away with this division with a win next Saturday. Because I think they've got everything else kind of secured. And further proving why my tier list that I had all the way back in August was completely off base. Because that should have been a absolute... Troy should have been in the A tier, and that's on me. I did not expect the Trojans to be at this point in the season and be firmly in control of their own destiny. They've beaten... Southern Miss, they've beaten Texas State, they've beaten South Alabama. They've gotten everything taken care of, all the haze in the barn. A win against the Cajuns next Saturday, that pretty much clinches the division for them. Yes, they've got Monroe and Arkansas State to end the year, but it's Monroe and Arkansas State to end the year. I guarantee you we're getting either Troy, we're getting Troy Coastal Carolina for the championship, and the Cajuns are going to be watching the bowl games for the first time in a while 
from home instead of watching watching their guys play on the field. We'll go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to talk with our guy Ross Jackson, host of the Locked on Saints podcast, also covers the Saints for the Saints Wire, part of the USA Today Network. We'll talk about what happened with the during the week off and, more importantly, what the future holds for the black and gold at the quarterback position right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers. But let's go ahead and get on over to the New Orleans Saints. You hear the Choppa style, you know we got our guy aboard the program. That is Ross Jackson, host of the Locked on Saints podcast. Also, contributor for the Saints Wire, part of the USA Today Network. Ross, how you doing, brother? Hey, brother, doing great, doing great, man. Glad to be here with you for another Saturday, man. How are you all, man? I'm doing good, man. Let's just start off and get to the elephant in the room, and that is one, the quarterback position, and that is the fact you've mm-hmm. got Andy Dalton, and you've heard the reasoning behind it. Do you agree with the reasoning that you see Dennis Allen going to continue to go with Andy Dalton, at least for the foreseeable future? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it's hard to argue with what Dennis Allen put out there. I, I am surprised by the decision just based upon the Saints' usual sort of approach. I, I thought that once Jameis was uh, once Jameis was healthy, he would get an opportunity to kind of you know show that he deserved to keep his gig. But you know, you look at the last four weeks, the Saints are second in total yards, they're third in total points, they were eighth and twenty fourth in those categories respectively, or in the first three games of Jameis, um, they're They've been third in passing touchdowns and then eighth in passing yards. They've been, uh, they were 16th and eighth in those categories with Jameis. So, you know, in terms of putting points on the board, this team has gotten much better there over the course of the past four games. So for, for Dennis Allen, who didn't necessarily say that the quarterback play was better, but that the offense ran more efficiently with one quarterback over the other, it's kind of hard to argue that when you look at just kind of the raw metrics. But I was still a little surprised by the decision, if I'm being honest. I kind of was too, because you think about it, you've had it's almost like a bye week, essentially. You had Thursday night football, right. and you're able to kind of measure and see how Jameis Winston is performing in practice. And you're going to continue to go with a guy that just had a three-interception ball game over Jameis Winston, who again we don't know how like what his true health status is until unless we actually talk to the guy, right? Right, right, exactly. Yeah, the Saints have not been very, uh, very you know uh, open about. I mean, I, we get more now than we used to about injuries, but it's still very much you know team policy not to disclose details on injuries and things like that, and so. You know, until we know a little bit more about where that is, um, we can just rely on what we're told, basically. And, you know, Dennis Allen says, basically, that Jameis Winston is healthy and that the decision to go with Andy Dalton, and that might not mean 100% healthy. It might just mean that he's healthy enough to um, healthy enough to, to participate, to play. Uh, but that's not, you know, part of the decision-making for them. For them, it's, it, you know, as, as Dennis called it, it's an offensive decision. Um you know, uh, it, it's not the you know if I was the 
in that position. And, you know, look, no one's going to pay me enough to make those types of decisions uh, ever. But, you know, I, I would have rolled back with Jameis and, you know, tried to finish out the season with him, depending upon his health and, and you know, whatever course of re-injury or things like that you're trying to avoid. I, I get all of that. But, but I also understand Dennis Allen's perspective here of not wanting to upset the apple cart, as he said. And, you know, you look at where this offense has been over the course of the past four games, um, there's enough kind of positive there. It's just that, you know, you're coming off of the three interception game, which is kind of weird timing, I guess, you know, yeah. <laughs> based upon like the most recent performance. Like you think about it, it's, you always hear the old saying, you go with the hot hand at the end of the day, Andy Dalton is far from the hot hand. Mind you, Jameis Winston throwing it in raw. I think at the same time, I feel like there's more of a situation where I think personally, Dennis Allen wants to get this win because he's playing against his, he's coaching against his former team. And, you know, he wants to kind of get exercise some of those demons and just mm -hmm. get a – I mean, to steal a phrase from Al Davis, just win, baby. That's kind of where he's <laughs> at against this Vegas team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is – you know, we talk about revenge games for former players all the time. How about a revenge game for a coach uh, here? And so this is going to be a really interesting one. It should be – if it's if it's a win, it's going to be an emotional win for him, I'm sure. If it's a loss, it's going to be an emotional loss for him considering – you know, the history between him and this team, formerly the Oakland Raiders at the time. And, you know, this, you know, we, we see it reciprocated throughout the team as well. I mean, Alvin Kamara, I'll paraphrase saying we're going to go out there and kick their butts to make DA happy, you know, to make sure DA feels good and everything. So, you know, even the players are, are, are considering it, you know, that that's the team that he used to, that he was a coach for and that, you know, kind of unceremoniously moved on from him after the first four games of his third season. And so, I think that's a factor in it. And I think, too, that that's probably another thing you look at in this game and in this decision. Like, Dennis Allen isn't just coaching for, you know, trying to get a win this weekend. He's effectively coaching for his future, which doesn't necessarily mean that this game does or does not define his, you know, second-year opportunity. I'm fairly certain he'll have a second year unless things, you know, absolutely go poorly moving forward. But, you know, the other things around him could end up changing depending upon how the rest of the season goes. What happens at offensive coordinator? What happens at defensive coordinator? What happens if Sean Payton comes back and poaches some of the coaching staff? Like, there's a lot of those questions that start to not necessarily get answered right now, but when we go back, but when we, we're in the future here, you know, six months from now, we're going to be looking back at this stretch of games the rest of the season and say, based upon the way that the Saints finished their season, X, Y, and Z happened. And so this is an important stretch here for, for the team and an important one for Dennis Allen. But going back to Jameis Winston, his injury situation, has Dennis Allen kind of refuted some of the rumors? I was seeing Nick Underhill kind of bring up a report potentially about something. It was also an issue with his foot along with the back injury and also an ankle injury that was nagging from back in the preseason. Was there any like validity to that? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's the, a report that uh, Nick Underhill had put out over at New Orleans at football, and I don't think that Dennis Allen saying that Jameis Winston is healthy refutes that report. You can be healthy while still having an injury. Everyone is healthy, asterisk, at this point in the season. So for me, those two things still go hand in hand to one another. So, you know, with Dennis Allen coming out and saying that Jameis Winston is healthy enough to play and is healthy right now, meaning healthy enough to play doesn't mean that he doesn't have a lingering injury or, or anything else like that. And Dennis has told us in the very beginning that it's kind of a combination between, you know, foot injury, back injury, and then also still coming back. He's still not even a year removed from his ACL injury. And when it happened, that was Halloween day last year and stuff. So like, I, I, 
yeah, so there's nothing really to refute. Um, and so, no, Dennis hasn't really specifically commented on that. Talking now, Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints podcast. Looking at the defensive side of the football, it's been interesting because I saw this the other day that Demario Davis hasn't been a guy that's just been rushing after the quarterback, bringing the pressure, but yet he has like a tightest career high in sacks. Like it's amazing to see what this front seven has done, despite the fact that you know, for the most part, it hasn't been that shut down defense of a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's not the New Orleans Saints defense of yesteryear for sure, but it's still a, uh, a you know a New Orleans Saints defense that has a lot of key pieces, Mario Davis included. He's got six sacks in the season right now. He's your New Orleans Saints sack leader for the year so far. Um, Cam Jordan not far behind him with five, but the issue for the Saints is that behind them, you don't really have anybody with um, enough multiple sacks, right? So. I think that becomes the the rest of that conversation is you know, you've got the star-studded guys that are doing their thing, that are doing their part, but you're waiting to see some of the other guys kind of take their steps forward as well. You look at someone like uh, Marcus Davenport, who leads the team in pressures but only has a half sack to show for it. And I know that pass rush defensive line play is about a lot more than just sacks, but you also have, you know, a uh, a three-yard uh, average depth of tackle for um, Marcus Davenport, meaning that you know the stops in the backfield aren't as plentiful as they've been in the, in, in the the recent past. And all you see that with David Onyemata as well, who's a defensive tackle but has an average depth of, uh, of tackle of four yards. There's still some places where this defense, where this front seven, can get even better, and they've continued to progress so far over the season. You want to see them progress a little bit in the run game, want to see them progress a little bit more outside of the stars in the pass rush game. But if they get that going, then all of a sudden we're talking about this New Orleans Saints defense more like how we're accustomed to talking about them. Ross, you know, looking at the matchup tomorrow, the kickoff at noon, what are the biggest keys for the Saints in this contest? On the defensive side, I would definitely say limiting the run game. Joshua Jacobs is having one of those really spectacular contract years <laughs> that you get sometimes in the NFL. He's making good on that season. So he's been playing extremely well. I believe he's already got three 100-yard rushing games already this season. Uh, so limiting him in the run game is going to be a big piece of that. Forcing some turnovers, that's something we haven't seen the Saints do very much. They still sit with only one interception on the season thus far. You want to see them, you know, walk away with – it'd be great to see them walk away with a couple, right, where you're turning your – you've got a couple of turnovers here. They're last in the NFL in turnover differential, so they're not creating turnovers and they're giving the ball away. So that's the other piece you've got to be able to keep yourself from uh, committing those takeaways, those turnovers as well. And then the last piece for me over on the offensive side is probably getting Alvin Kamara going. I mean, an early first quarter touchdown, which would be his first of the season, would go a long way. He was the guy that addressed his um, that addressed his uh, the rest of the team and everything after that Thursday night football loss. And you know, if you can kind of get him going, him talking about we need to get our swagger back, you you kind of can set the example with Alvin Kamara. So I think that would be that would do wonders in terms of him getting going him being able to help get the rest of the team going and then getting the crowd into it as well as who that nation 70,000 strong should have an opportunity to impact this game as well. Talking now, Ross Jackson locked on saints podcast. And you know, one of the, we bring up Alvin Kamara a lot in this conversation, a lot of rumors surrounding him potentially being traded. Are there any substantial truth to that rumor? Number one and number two, what would Alvin Kamara be worth in a trade? 
Yeah, so um, there's no validity in the ones that have been discussed at this time. Particularly, there's there was a rumor kind of floating around, and this is just you know, look, it's it's trade deadline season. This is when all the troll accounts you know really live and thrive. And so you know, there was one that was floating around a little while about the the Philadelphia Eagles and trying to get the Saints trying to get their first round pick back. There's a couple of reasons why that's not going to happen. The first of which is no one's going to trade a first round pick for a running back. It doesn't matter who the running back is. Nobody's going to do that. And no one's going to trade a first round pick for a running back with all due respect is expected to potentially miss up to six games next season as well. And you're paying you know a lot of money for that running back who's on a new contract. So that's, that's my, the, the first portion there. Um, will he be traded? I'm going to say it's extremely unlikely uh, because New Orleans Saints would then have $25.5 million accelerate in terms of their future salary cap very, very soon into their future salary cap um, engagement and, and, and sort of their salary cap situation where they're already $54 million over the salary cap next year. They're still paying off your Breeze's contract. You're probably going to be intaking if Jameis Winston isn't on this team next year, depending upon how his opportunity goes for the rest of this year. You're going to be taking on $11.2 million of dead cap there. Just doesn't make sense to trade guys like, um, you know, some names that have been floating around, like Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. Are not really floating around, but names that people say, oh, well, they should just trade them. Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Cam Jordan. Doesn't make sense to do that because these guys have all had their contracts restructured, which makes their contracts effectively untradeable. And I think they're perfectly happy with that because they don't want those guys to go away anyway. If you do end up trading a guy like Alvin Kamara, I think you look at the Christian McCaffrey trade and say that if you can get a second, third, fourth, and fifth round selection for him, then you're very lucky. That's you know really a really good price for a running back in the NFL, which is the shortest shelf life of any position. And then again, you also still have the sort of legal proceedings that are on the way for Alvin Kamara as well. So that might diminish value if he were to be traded. But again, I think that's highly unlikely as this team is still trying to win. Exactly. I mean, I don't know why we're starting to see these people kind of come out of the woodwork. It feels like what's Mm -hmm. happened with the Pelicans for years where you see Anthony Davis needs to get traded. Zion Williamson needs to get traded. Those hives kind of pop up from time to time. And then you look at the Saints. They have a chance to win the NFC South because the NFC South is so bad. (laughs) Exactly. Like, this is a team. How much sense does it make for you to take your biggest playmaker on the offensive side and trade him away when you're one game within the division. It doesn't make sense, right? Like, no one's going to do that. And so it's, it's really interesting. But, you know, look, these these trade, you know, rumors, they tend to pop up around this time and everything like that. Of course, the trade deadline on the way. And for whatever reason, Alvin Kamara is often the target of these. And I think that some of it is just because he's a beloved player here in New Orleans. People know that they're, they're going to get their social interaction from that and everything. But I also think that people took a comment that, Alvin Kamara made out of context when he was saying that, you know, eventually he's not going to be here. Dennis Allen's not going to be here. Guys like Cam Jordan aren't going to be here. But the point that he was making was basically that, like, no matter what, football goes on for the New Orleans Saints after the players are done, after the coaches are done. So their opportunity to do something now is what's most important. So that doesn't sound like a guy that's even wanting to be traded in the first place. That's kind of where I'm at on that, especially a it'd be insane to do that. It's not like what's going on with the Carolina Panthers where they're just shipping off everybody under the sun, because obviously there's just a whole another side of that story. You're you're basically just dumping everybody off and getting ready for a long haul tank. I don't think the front office of the New Orleans saints wants to do that in any way, shape or form. Right. I completely agree. I mean, this was a team that, you know, lost its Hall of Fame quarterback going into 2020. I don't want to say lost, right? He retired. He, he went out, you know, on, on his own accord, which was great for Drew. And, and, and did they 
just give up last season? No, they didn't. And that was the season to do it. You know, if you're going to do it for any season, probably the ones where you're paying off all of the, you know, the COVID salary dues and the drop off there, all of the other things you had four different quarterbacks and everything, but they went out there and they competed week in and week out signing players, trying to, you know, rebuild their roster all throughout the season, one game away from making the play or one, you know, uh, lost Los Angeles Rams loss away from making the playoffs. They even, they did everything on their own accord. So if they didn't give up that season, I don't see where people get this idea. They're going to give up this season when there's still one game outside of the division and we're going into the eighth week of the season it doesn't make any sense ross thank you so much for coming on my man we'll talk to you next week enjoy the game tomorrow out in caesar superdome thanks buddy i appreciate you always a pleasure take care stay safe talk to you soon all right that was ross jackson appreciate him coming on the program as always gonna go ahead and take a quick timeout wrap up the show in a nice little bow back after this on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Wrapping things up in a nice little bow here on a Saturday morning. Getting ready for Game 2 of the World Series. You'll hear that right here at 6.30, first pitch. Always like the fact that we have Steve Sparks and Robert Ford on the call for that ball game. Can't wait for that one. But one more take before we get out of here, and it's about next week's ball game. November 5th, we talked about it earlier. Probably the most important day in all of sports here in the South because you've got LSU-Alabama, Tennessee-Georgia. But we'll go to LSU-Alabama because that's the game you all are most interested in. I saw it earlier. as a double-digit dogs are the LSU Tigers. And my thing is, and maybe it's just me here in Lafayette, Louisiana versus being a diehard purple and gold fan like a lot of you are. But personally, I think the Tigers – they it'd be great to win. Trust me. I would think it'd be Lon Yap on a season that a lot of people didn't necessarily think would be at this point where LSU's standing with only two losses and have a chance to win the entire West division, make the playoffs. I feel like that's a far fetched idea. You have to have a lot of stuff happen between now and the end of December to get to that point. But if you win this ball game against Alabama, it's massive and gives you a lot of opportunities to get into a New Year's Six Bowl, which, again, is something nobody expected heading into this season. With everything going on, Brian Kelly taking over in his first year, a win over Alabama would be massive. But I'm just wanting a close ball game. I'm not wanting it to be a blowout because if it's a blowout, that's going to wind up probably hurting you more than help you in my heart of hearts. That's how I feel about that game next Saturday over in Death Valley. It's going to be a raucous environment because the team and these players and the fans, they are all in on a win. I feel like a lot of fans always are in that camp, but I think there's a better chance of this game being a hell of a lot more competitive than any other in the last couple of years. Keyword last couple. Last time it was competitive, was 2019 and y'all remember what happened in 2019 the demons were exercised i think there's going to be some demons that get exercised as well next week and i said it back in 2019 i'll say it now sometimes waiting is the hardest part 
and I can't wait to see what's going to happen next Saturday night when LSU takes on Alabama. Again, do I think they win? No. If they win, great. It is absolute, like, icing on the cake of a season that nobody thought was going to be the way it is. And even if they lose and they wind up finishing out the season 9-3, and 8-4, and four, that is a very, very, very successful 2022 season compared to what we were thinking we were going to get. Appreciate everybody listening to the program. Back next week, same bad time, same bad channel. The game 103.7 Live. You had a 104 one leg Charles for our guy DeWitt on the ones, the twos, the threes, and the fours. I'm Clint Doming, and this has been Under the Dome with CD on your home for the LSU Tigers, the Astros, all of it right here in southwest Louisiana.